The focus of Maseches Yuma is, of course, the day of Yom Kippur. And the first seven out of eight parakim focus on the service which was done in the Beis Hamikdash on Yom Kippur. It was pretty much all done by the Kohen Gadol, with the exception of a couple of things. And then in the final parak, the eighth parak, the other aspects of Yom Kippur are discussed, such as not eating and drinking, doing tshuva on Yom Kippur, and the various other aspects of Yom Kippur, which apply even outside of the Beis Hamikdash and even nowadays. The actual word Yuma is Aramaic for the word Yom, day, so it refers to the unique day of the year. And the first seven prokim really take us through in order what was done throughout Yom Kippur. And the first Mishnah begins actually Shvas Yom Kippurim, seven days before Yom Kippur, what preparations were done for the Yom Kippur service. So Mafrishin Kohen Gadol they would separate the Kohen Gadol from his house, and he moves into the Lishkas Palhedrin, a particular chamber known as Lishkas Palhedrin in the Beis Hamikdash, and he spends the week over there. And this is in order that he doesn't have any marital relations with his wife during the week before Yom Kippur, because his wife periodically becomes a Nida, which is a woman who becomes Tomei during certain days of each month. And the halacha is that if somebody has marital relations with a nida, then he becomes Tomei for seven days. It's a very severe form of Tumah. And of course, if the Kohen Gadol is Tomei on Yom Kippur, then he cannot perform the service of the Beis Hamikdash. And that is certainly not an ideal situation, where we would need to get a replacement Kohen Gadol to do it instead of him. And so to avoid such a situation, he moves into the list Hedrin, which firstly accomplishes this, that he will not have relations with his wife. And secondly, it means that he can generally be more careful about remaining pure. Being in the Beis Hamikdash means that he will have less of a chance of becoming Tomei and not being able to perform the Yom Kippur service. Now even so, there is still a danger that he might become Tomei. And therefore, we fix for him another coin in his place, in case a particular invalidation will occur to him, something like him becoming Tomei, which would invalidate him from performing the Yom Kippur service. And the Gemara explains that this other Kohen was the Skan Kohen Gadol, the Deputy Kohen Gadol, who in a case where the real Kohen Gadol wouldn't be able to perform the Yom Kippur service on Yom Kippur, he would do it instead of him. Now, this replacement Kohen Gadol does not need to live in the Beis Hamikdash for seven days before. We are less strict with him, and we don't have that concern that he might end up having relations with his wife when she's a Nidah. And the truth is, the fact that the, co- the real Kohen Gadol has to separate from his wife for seven days is actually learnt from a Posuk. And this Posuk only spoke about the real Kohen Gadol, and so this replacement Kohen Gadol does not need to separate from his wife for seven days, but of course he does need to be very careful about not becoming Tomei. Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Huda says, Af We also fix for the Kohen Gadol another wife, and he needs to marry another wife before Yom Kippur, Shema Thomas Ishtoy, in case his other wife dies. Shalem as the Posuk says, The Kohen Gadol atones on his behalf and on behalf of his household. And his household refers to his wife. That's learned from Pesukim, that the word bias over here refers to one's wife. And so we see that a condition which must be met for the Kohen Gadol to perform the service is that he has a wife to atone for. So if his wife dies, let's say on Yom Kippur, then we would run into a problem. And so he needs to marry another wife. Now the truth is, there's another problem, because the word the Torah says, He will return on his behalf, and on behalf of his household. And it says that in the singular, implying that he can only have one wife on Yom Kippur. So how would it help to now marry a second wife? So the Gemara explains that he also, after marrying the second wife, divorces both of the women, 
on condition. So he would divorce the second wife on condition that his first wife doesn't die before the end of Yom Kippur. But now if it turns out that his first wife does end up dying on Yom Kippur, so for the first half of Yom Kippur he had two wives, and that is a problem, and therefore he also needs to divorce the first wife on condition that he performs a particular act. And then if it turns out that his first wife does indeed die on Yom Kippur, then the Kongolos should perform that act, so that it turns out that retroactively his first wife was divorced from before Yom Kippur. And that way he was only married to the second wife on Yom Kippur, so either way he would only have one wife over Yom Kippur, in order to fulfill that Pasuk. Omulay, the Chachom said to Yehuda im Cain. If so, if you need to separate another wife of the Kohen Golol and be worried that she might die, so in Adavar Soif, there's no end to the matter. You should also separate for the Kohen Golol another ten women, in case they'll all end up dying. You don't need to start worrying for these far-off situations that his wife might die, and therefore you do not need to separate another wife for him. However, Yehuda is of the opinion that one does need to be concerned that his wife will die, but it's enough to separate only one woman, because to be concerned that two women will die, that is already far-fetched, and one does not need to be concerned that this new wife which he marries will also die. Mishnah Beis, Kol Yomim, for the entire seven days before Yom Kippur that the Kohen Godol is now living in the Beis Hamikdash, Huzerkes Adam, he throws the blood of the Karbonis Tomid, the daily carbon which is brought in the morning and in the afternoon, and he wouldn't just throw the blood, he would also slaughter the carbon and catch the blood and bring the blood towards the Mizbeach and then throw it onto the Mizbeach, and prepare the lamps of the menorah to light them, clean them out, replace them with new oil and wicks. He would offer the head and the leg of the carbon tomid on the Mizbeach, these were the first two limbs which were offered on the Mizbeach of the Karim Tomid. They would offer limb by limb on the top of the Mizbeach. So the first two limbs, at least, of the animal were thrown onto the fire by the Kohen Gadol. And the reason why the Kohen Gadol did all of these things is in order that he'd get used to performing all of these services in the Beis HaMikdash before the day of Yom Kippur, where he will spend pretty much all day performing services like this. But on all other days of the year, in Rotsala Hakriv Makriv, if the Kohen Golol wanted to offer something on the Mizbeach, or really perform any service in the Beis HaMikdash, then Makriv, he is allowed to do so, he is allowed to offer it, or he is allowed to perform that service, whatever it may be. This is one of the rights of the Kohen Golol. Even though in general the Kohanim take turns, there are 24 groups of Kohanim which serve in the Beis HaMikdash for a week at a time, and then there are subdivisions within each group, and they all have a turn to perform the Beis HaMikdash service. Nevertheless, if a Kohen Godel decides that he wants to perform a particular service on a particular day, then he has the right to do so. The Kohen Godel has the first portion to offer out, meaning he has the first rights more than anybody else to offer things on the Mizbeach or to do other services, and he also has the first and the most rights to take the carbon meat as well, which is also split between the Kohanim, but the Kohen Godel can take whichever part he wants, as this is another privilege which the Kohen Godel is entitled to. Mr. Gimel, each day during these seven days, Moshe's Kenim and Zayn they would give over to the Kohen Godol certain members of the elders of the Beistin, the Sanhedrin, the biggest Beistin of Kal Yisrael, which had 71 members, they would actually sit in the Beis Hamikdash. 
And so some members of the Sanhedrin would spend time with the Kohen Godol each of these seven days, the Kohen Lefon of Besed Hayom, and they would read in front of the Kohen Godol the part of the Torah which discusses the order of the day, what services exactly the Kohen Godol does on Yom Kippur, the Omim Loi. And they say to him, to the Kohen Godol, Ishi Kohen Godol, my master the Kohen Godol, you read it with your mouth. Meaning, instead of listening to us reading the Torah in front of you, you should read it yourself. That way you'll familiarize yourself with the Avedah, the Yom Kippur service, more. And also because in general, when one learns Torah, it is better to speak it out. It's better to actually say the words instead of just listening to somebody else saying it and thinking about it. It's better to actually say it. In case you forgot, in case you can't quite remember about what needs to be done during Yom Kippur, since you last learnt about it, or in case you haven't learnt about the Yom Kippur service at all. Now how exactly is it possible for the Kohen Godel not to have ever learnt about the Yom Kippur service, even the Psukim in the Torah which talk about Yom Kippur? So Gemara explains that this was during the time of the second Beis HaMikdosh, where many of the Kohenim Gedolim were not righteous at all, and they were very ignorant, and they actually bribed the Jewish kings to appoint them as the Kohen Godel. During the second Beis HaMikdosh, it was quite a corrupt system, and so the Kohen Godel was not necessarily righteous at all, or knowledgeable. So during that period of time, it would happen occasionally that you would have a Kohen Godel who had never learned about the Yom Kippur service. Alright, so the Mishnah began by discussing what was done seven days before Yom Kippur, and then it discussed what was done during those seven days. And now we proceed further, Erev Yom Kippur Shachris, to the day before Yom Kippur, during the morning, the morning before Yom Kippur begins, they set the Kohen Godol standing by the eastern gate at the entrance towards the courtyard of the Beit HaMikdash, and they pass in front of him bulls and rams and sheep. There is Karbonus which he will need to bring the next day on Yom Kippur, so that he will be familiar and already used to performing the service for Yom Kippur, and he will be more prepared for what he needs to do tomorrow. It should be noted that although a goat was also brought on Yom Kippur, and it was also offered by the Kohen Godol, they wouldn't pass a goat in front of the Kohen Godol on Erev Yom Kippur. And the Gemara explains that this is because the goat was brought in order to atone for the sins of the entire Jewish people. So it served as a massive atonement, and they didn't want to remind the Kohen Godol of so many sins on the of Yom Kippur. It could put him into a concerned mood. It's better that he not be reminded of so many sins, and since the goat was brought to atone for the entire Jewish people's sins, they would not pass that in front of the Kohen Godol on Erev Yom Kippur. Throughout this seven-day period, they wouldn't withhold from the Kohen Godol food and drink. He can drink and eat as usual. However, on Erev Yom Kippur, as it nears nightfall, the time when it becomes dark and Yom Kippur begins, they wouldn't allow him to eat a lot of food. Because food, when one eats a lot, it brings one nearer to a state of sleep. When one eats more, he becomes more tired. And it's very important, as we'll learn also later on in this parak, that they wouldn't allow the Kohen Gold to sleep at all on Yom Kippur. Because when he sleeps, we're concerned that some substances might exit his body, which would turn him into a Balkeri, a type of Tommy person. And that tumor lasts the entire day. He can go to the mikveh the next day, and he'll become pure by the end of that day. And that's why he is allowed to sleep and eat as much as he likes during the seven days before Yom Kippur. 
because you will become Tohar after waiting till the end of that day. However, if he would end up sleeping and becoming Tomei on Yom Kippur night itself, so he would be Tomei for the rest of Yom Kippur. And so they wouldn't allow him to eat a lot of food, especially foods which make it more likely for him to become a Valkyrie, for the substances to exit his body, food which warms up the body more, that is more problematic, and so specifically those foods, especially those foods they wouldn't allow the Kohen Godel to eat as Yom Kippur drew nearer.